0: pressure for us is a privilege. We say that quite often, Um, so we embrace that. I believe that change equals growth, especially in professional sport. Being prepared to work as hard as you possibly can to get what you really want.
1: Welcome to the 1% series. I'll be chatting with a bunch of successful individuals within their own industries to gain some insight into what makes them tick, what makes them the 1%, and i guess what they implement every day to ensure they're living a lifestyle that makes them one percent better every day bill so i'm not obviously supposed to ask this but uh you're obviously in an undisclosed location at the moment are you in looks like you're in quarantine or something
0: yes mate i'm in i'm in hotel quarantine probably my fifth quarantine in the last six months but um, yeah, I've touched down in LA, um, which is really exciting and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to what's ahead.
1: Cool. Um, I guess for, I mean, I know a little bit about you, but for the people that don't, I've written here, rugby player, brand owner and business partner, um, obviously rugby player probably comes first um, at this stage. Um, and for obviously being sort of Melbourne bought, born and bred, um, I can't say rugby was ever really that big when I was growing up. So for the people out there that I guess um, don't know too much about rugby, like obviously you p- play like centre as a position most commonly. Um, mm-hmm. And for someone who's only probably started watching a rugby, rugby, little bit of rugby the last couple of years, I guess... I mean, I'm probably going to butcher it. But you're a bit of a playmaker, um, like quick, trying to break lines. Is that sort of how you describe yourself as a player? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'll take it. I don't know if I'm quick.
0: <laughs> um, I'm, I'm definitely meant to be in my position. Uh, yeah, so uh, my position centre, it depends. Like certain teams play centres, um, have a centre doing different things. Um, for The teams that I've been a part of, uh, my role has been to sort of ball ballplay. Um, distribute the ball, sort of connect the forwards and the backs. Um, some teams sort of um, prefer to have like a massive 12, like a big guy, sort of 100, 105, 110 kilos, will truck the ball up. Um, so yeah, it really just depends on the coaching style, the way the team plays. But um, yeah, for me, probably my strengths are ball playing um, and defensive sort of knowledge around setups and stuff like that. So
1: yeah, that's, that's my rugby, my job. Yeah, cool. Um, and I guess is that always something that you sort of played as a young age, or um, like because you, you grew up in Sydney, didn't you? Um, yeah,
0: so I grew up in I grew up in Manly on the northern <coughs> beaches. Obviously, living on the beach there, like I was fairly active as a kid. Tried um, lots of different sports. Started with nippers, like on the beach. Um, tried a bit of soccer. was always down at the skate park. Um, always played, I started playing rugby when I was. Maybe five, five or six years old. So I started super young. My dad played yeah, rugby, wow. not at a not at a great level, but he played rugby his whole life. Um, and then obviously the high school I went to, St Joseph's College or Joey's, is a pretty um pretty big rugby school in Australia. So that's where I sort of started my passion with rugby, um, and that's where I sort of fell in love with the game, and that's where things sort of kicked off, I suppose, for me.
1: Yeah, cool. Um, I guess on that, like we'll we'll talk probably a little bit about rugby first obviously being um, in that professional athlete environment, like it can be, I'm sure it's quite tough, like um, sort of high pressure um, environment. Firstly, I guess, how, how do you deal with that pressure? And also what do you find you're sort of constantly working on in terms of your game, whether that's on or off the field? <clears throat> yeah, cool. So I think pressure
0: wise, it's probably something that comes with a little bit of the experience. Um, I know that when I was younger and started, when I started playing professional rugby, I know know that losses used to dwell on my mind for a lot longer than they do now. Um, Losing used to be the be all and end all winning and losing. Um, Whereas now it's, you know, if you win, then happy days, you're doing your job. If you you lose, then uh, what can you learn from that loss and how quickly can you turn things around? Because obviously in professional sport, you get an opportunity to go again seven days later. So you need to be able to wipe that, um, learn from it and then get on to the next job. So, Pressure-wise, um, it's something that you feed off, I suppose, as a professional athlete. Uh, it's, a, it's a privilege for us because it means that you put yourself in a position to th- that warrants pressure, um, which means that you've got to a level um, which is significant. So it's about recognizing that. So pressure for us is a privilege. We say that quite often, um, so we embrace that. Um, and then I suppose um, learning-wise, uh, I think my focus for the last couple of years, probably definitely the last 18 months, has probably been on more of the mental side of the game. Um, And I think across the board in all sports, um, but especially rugby, that's been a huge focus. You can see most professional teams will have a full-time sports psychologist now involved with the team, working on stuff um, with individuals and as a group. And I think for however many years, teams have focused so much on the physical side of things and the tactical side of things, but haven't really focused as much on the mental side of things. Um, so that's been a really cool journey for me, uh, working on the mental side of the game, a little bit more analysis stuff. And as you get older, you obviously get a better understanding for the game and, and what's required of you. So, um, yeah, in terms of learning, it used to be a lot of um, skill stuff, which, which still does, which I still do on a daily basis. But it used to be getting the gym, get as strong and as powerful as I can, uh, and then uh, back to, practice my skills back to back and never really spending time on the, on the mental stuff. So that's, that's been a cool transition for me the last 18 months.
1: Yeah, cool. And I guess like that's something that can help you outside of sport as well. Like I mean, translate sort of well into real life, which is also um pretty it's funny you say that about um the I guess not dwelling on the losses so much. Cause I saw you write something the other day in sport you can never get two up or two down. And I guess that's probably like you said, a position that you were a mindset that you were in, I guess early on. And it's probably like, probably easy to fall into because you want to impress. You're thinking long-term, you know, how do I keep my spot? So, but now I guess it's more about that long-term approach and sort of um, riding the losses just as much as the win sort of thing. I guess like laughing away, so.
0: Yeah, and I Um, think it's probably
1: just about sort of creating a process around the losses. You know, I never
0: used to really have a process around when we lost. Um, I would, as I said, I'd dwell on it for one or two days. I'd come into review and then I'd sort of relive the loss, and then you'd sort of be three days post game and you'd still be thinking about why you lost a game, and you've got a game in three days' time. So the process for me now is literally sitting down in the change room straight after the game, whether I won or lost, writing down three things I did well, so straight away just going on the positive. <clears throat> if you've lost and then you're recognizing things you've done well, you're like, well, hang on, I didn't play that bad, or we didn't do so bad, and then three things you can work on for the week. So you're automatically setting up your week straight away so that when you come into training the next day, you have got three things to work on straight away. And it sort of just sets up that journey for the week. And that's probably been my biggest growth around processes of losing.
1: Yeah, cool. Um, On that as well, like um, you've obviously touched on the fact that you um, have been, I guess, taking a little bit more time to work on your mental health and your journaling stuff. What other, I guess, Daily sort of processes and routines do you sort of implement, whether it be throughout the week or on game day, that sort of help you to perform and just constantly trying to be, I guess, that one percent better each week. Um, yes, yeah, so I think for me personally, I've,
0: I've sort of I've got a really diligent morning routine um, that I stick to like clockwork. Um, I'm sure a lot of people do. Win the, the, <laughs> the morning, win the day. Win the morning, win the day. It's never a true word spoken, mate. I, yeah, so I wake up. Um, I'm not a big fan of cold showers. I tried that for a little while, but I can't stick to it. So yeah, sit down for 10 minutes, 10 to 20 minutes, do my meditation um, and do some gratitude and intentions, uh, stretch for half an hour every morning, um, without a doubt, every morning, whether or not I've got training or not. Um, And, you know, that just sets my day up. So that's like, without a doubt, whether I'm training or whether I've got a game, I'll be doing that at the start of my day. It sets me up. Um... then I suppose always just having a plan. My biggest thing that I try and pass on to younger athletes that are coming through is having a plan and sticking to it. Um, Religiously on a Sunday night, I'll sit down and I'll map my whole week out. Um, It probably gets a little bit more detailed if I've got a game at the end of the week, but trying to plan every day and get something out of every day and literally tick off the things at the end of the night um, that I've achieved. And then you get to the end of the week. And if it's a game week, the night before a game, I'll sit there and I'll go through the whole week and I'll be like, you know, I did 200 passes on Monday. I did 25 extra tackles on Tuesday. Maybe I did some extra core work in the gym on Wednesday. Um, Some analysis. You're writing.
1: You're writing that all down. Are you?
0: Writing it all down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And by the end of the week, you you almost think, I don't know, I'm ready for this game. But then you look back at your week and how much you've done, and you actually go, No, I'm ready. I've done everything I wanted to do before this game. You take confidence, and then um, that's yeah, that's that's sort of how my week looks in terms of preparation.
1: Yeah, I think like one thing that sort of comes through pretty true is just like I've found as well, like when you write something down, it's like you, you're only chanting yourself if you don't do it. Like you sort of really mentally prepare yourself and just lock yourself. Like it's really hard to avoid it in a way. Um, And like you said, as well, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for you to um, review like at the end of the, week, which is so important. Like it's like being self-aware being honest with yourself, like I'm sure, and I'm just having a guess, but early on in your career, maybe even weeks would go by and you just all of a sudden get into a bit of a, um, you know, oh, we had a few losses. Don't know, don't know what I did during the week. Like it's just sort of, but now you're being really accountable with yourself, which which is an awesome sort of habit to fall into. Um, yeah. When you're younger as well,
0: um, as you said, like I, I used to just play games. I just used to be good at rugby. Like I've, I've obviously... You should just be talented, get through a game. If I play good, I play good. Who knows why? If I play bad, then I don't know why I play bad, but I'm just going to play again this week. And if I get picked, I get picked. You know, it's it's just leaving everything up to chance. And it's only now, like the last sort of three years, that you start to plan it, see outcomes, plan it again, see more outcomes, and you just start growing and never stop learning. And it's through that process of planning your week, ticking things off, that for me has made me such a better player and grow so much.
1: Mm. Oh, that's cool. Um I did see I did see you post a video. Um it was like a pre-game routine. And I was surprised to see that all you had before a game was like avocado and toast. Explain that for me. What did I miss I'm
0: not a big eater anyway.
1: Like I don't
0: I don't I like I, if I'm trying to put weight on or if I'm prepping for training or a game, like I need to force myself to eat the night before because I'm not a big eater. Um but we had a two o'clock kickoff and I like to play like I'm feeling light. So if I'm playing at night, I'll only have breakfast and a light lunch. If I'm playing an afternoon game, or lunch game, I'll only have like a brunch sort of late brekkie. So that was all I ate for the game um, and maybe just like a couple of electrolyte drinks before the game. But that's it. That's my yeah. feel.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I just, I remember I played a bit of junior sport I remember I was the opposite <laughs> I was having stacks of pancakes and muffins and what. maybe that was maybe that was the issue maybe I needed to cut back <laughs> um, now um, obviously with your sport there are some big boys out there yeah. um, talk to me about I guess I'm sure you've had a few big hits um, over your time um, and I guess how early days? Like, were you quite nervous coming against up against opponents that were you know, twice your size sort of thing?
0: Um, you know, it's it's a funny one for, for people that um, haven't either played rugby or experienced it. From the outside, it looks like a part of the game that is fairly daunting and mental and crazy, but I suppose for players, if you ask anyone that plays the game, it's not even it's not even a thought that crosses your mind, like the physical side of things in that respect. Um you learn from a young age that there's some big boys out there, and either to avoid them or learn how to tackle them, I suppose. But yeah, it's not really not really a part of the game that I get nervous about or ever have. Um, in like probably on the flip side, I actually enjoy it, uh, which is which is sort of a bit weird. But like, yeah, I'm sure if you ask most rugby players, they'll, they'll say they enjoy the physical side of the game. You kind of have to, right, to mm. to go out there and sort of smash up against those big bodies. But
1: yeah, yeah. I'm on it. Um. Yeah, I was, because I played a bit of Aussie rules and um, I was coached from a young age that if you're sort of embracing the contact a little bit more, you're less likely to get injured. But like, I mean, if you're sort of shying away from it, that's when awkward stuff sort, sort of starts to happen. Yeah. Um, and I guess in terms of like the hits that you have, have you had any injuries over the years that had sort of set you back or some big, like some big hits? Uh, I
0: think, yeah, I think in in a contact sport
1: like rugby, injury is sort of inevitable at some point. Um,
0: for me, touch wood, I haven't really had a major injury in the last sort of six years. Um, I haven't missed a game in six years. So, um, you know, there's a couple of things I put that down to. Um, obviously, a little bit of luck, like you have to have to get a bit of that. But um, if you ask anyone that knows me well, like my my stretching and my recovery game is is pretty pretty high and probably over the top at, point, at times, but. Um, you know, I put a lot of it down to that because I spend a lot of time on my body and sort of preparing it and recovering after games and stuff like that. Um, I, hurt my, I, hurt, I had a knee reconstruction when I was 18. When I finished school. Uh, that was probably the only major injury I've had. But, yeah, besides that, I've been pretty lucky.
1: Yeah, cool, cool. Um, now, I want to talk a little bit about your club history because I had a little bit of a look. Um, obviously... So you were born in Manly. Yeah. Um, grew Are, you up in- huh? Are you getting into me? Huh? Are getting into me? No, no, all, all I'm saying is, um, like, obviously, like, early on, you like, obviously, St. Joseph, you went, went to school. Um, Northern, Be- I, correct me if I'm wrong, I've just pulled this off, off the internet. Northern Beaches, Randwick, uh, obviously you had a stint with the Junior Wallabies there for a little bit. Then you make the trip over to England, was that your first year mm-hmm. to Clifton? Yeah, I was in Clifton, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, gloucester is that how you pronounce it? You can pronounce it like that. It's
0: pronounced Gloucester, but Gloucester.
1: gloucester. <laughs> and then, so you spend, you spend a few years over there in England and then you come back to Australia and you're over in Perth and you have a couple of years at Melbourne Rebels, um, which is, I guess, the only games I saw you play. That's when I sort of started to... Tune in a little bit, and then, and then you're over to London Irish, and now you're in LA. So, like, I mean, you've done a bit of travel, but is that something that's common in the, I guess, in the industry? And how have you, I mean, been? Has it been like you're the new kid on the block at a new club? You got to get to know everyone, the staff. Like, has that been hard? Like,
0: um,
1: yeah. So a couple of things. I think,
0: I think moving around from club to club in rugby is is quite common in the sense that it's a, it's a global sport. unlike AFL and rugby league to a sense that are only mostly played in Australia. Um, rugby unions played all over the world in, in all different countries. So um, it's a blessing for us that we get to travel around the world and play. Obviously there's a huge competition in England uh, and me having a British passport was, the transition from me going from club rugby in Sydney to England was um, seamless. Cause I could go over there as not a foreign player I was considered a citizen, so I could just go there and play. Um, and the, in terms of playing professionally in Australia, there's not there's not much opportunity for players um, compared to what there is outside of Australia. So when I finished, um, when I was about 20 years old, there was an opportunity that came up in England. So I took that, um, which is where I got my first professional contract full-time. So I ended up being in England for four years, uh, which is probably where I learned how to be a professional, what a professional environment's like. Um, I turned from being you know, a good player with talent to someone that was actually capable of playing week in, week out at, at the top level. Um, and then
1: I was there for... Yeah, four years. Yeah, sorry to cut you off. It was, I guess, was that about the environment that you're in more so? I yeah. guess having, having to elevate to the level of everyone else around you and what the standards that were sort of demanded of you? I exactly what it was. Yeah, I never really knew what it was like at that level. Um, I had guys around me that I'd grown up watching
0: um who were internationals played however many games in their country um pushing me every day to get better and um even stuff down to like diet recovery um, analysis stuff I'd never sort of looked into before I'd always just played rugby because I was good at it um so that that side of things like it made me so much better being in that environment and then after four long cold winters in England it was time to come home um <laughs> And I got a pretty cool opportunity to come back and play in Perth in Super Rugby, which for, as a kid in rugby in Australia, that's sort of your dream and that's the pinnacle besides playing for your country. So, um, yeah, came back to Perth, spent a year there, which was really, really cool. And then um, that team actually got swiped out of the comp. So we moved to Melbourne with pretty much the same guys and the same coaching setup. Had three years there and that was, that was probably like the most enjoyable part of my career that I've had to date um, because we were, we were able to, to build a culture from the ground up. Um, which, which took some time, but we got there in the end and uh, we had a group that was just so dedicated to one another and our common goal of winning, winning games, I suppose. Um, and then after that, it's, it sort of gets to that age in your career, like I'm 29 now, turning 30 soon, that you, you have opportunity to go overseas. Um, and for me, like personally, I believe that change equals growth, especially in professional sport. And when you change your environment, you're forced to learn, you're forced to adapt. You're exposed to new coaches, new players, new styles of play, um, different competitions. So I was never planning on going to London Irish before LA, but I had um, you know, an opportunity to come up, a short-term gig for three months. And I'd played in this competition before, so it wasn't something I was going to turn down because I know how good the rugby is in England. Um, so that was really cool to go back and play with them. Again, new coaches, new boys, um, new system. I learned a lot in the last three months. And then um, LA, I suppose, which is my final stop now, um, is just super exciting. Rugby in America isn't probably quite where it needs to be right now, but it will be. Um, and, you know, an opportunity to live in LA, in LA for me is, like, pretty cool as well. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a number of factors that have led me to LA, but I'd probably say the main one is just change for me is growth and um, mm. always trying to learn and, and get better. And, um, and now now probably probably transi- transition into more um, getting the junior guys firing. Yeah. Well.
1: No, I think that's like you hit the nail on the head. I mean... We can you can apply that, um, I guess, that philosophy to anything in life, really, but just whenever you get a little bit complacent or in your little comfort circle or stuck, like, not much is going to happen, so you're not going to grow out of it, like you said, so just having the willingness. I mean, there's probably people that you've played with that are probably still stuck in the same position or whatever or, you know, the same club because they're not willing to take that leap or that step or that opportunity, even though it might be risk-like. um no, nice, so good on you. Um, I guess the last one before we move on from rugby, is there any advice that you'd give to, I guess, maybe some aspiring athletes out there, anyone who's young, has been in your position, maybe even at your school sort of thing, that um, I guess you would have liked to know at the time? <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, it's probably nothing nothing new that I didn't know, but is uh, it's,
0: it's probably just working, working, being prepared to work as hard as you possibly can to get what you really want. Um, there's so many times that when I wasn't professional that I'd be down at the park by myself, kicking the ball, passing the ball, doing extra weight sessions, um, that at the time I, I even remember sitting there going, like I wish like a coach that I wanna play for would see me doing these sessions or I wish that they would know that I'm doing this stuff. And you never know if those sessions are really gonna to aspire to what you want, but it's it's doing them, knowing that you've done them. And now where I am now, knowing that how much work I put in, um, in the early days has has got me to where I am and you, you can't really pinpoint if it was that or not, but knowing that you've done it um, is, is half half the way there. So being able to work as, as hard as you possibly can because there is a 100% guarantee that there is 50 other guys around you that are doing the same work or they want the same goal as you. So like yeah, just working as hard as you possibly can, I'd say. Yeah,
1: no, that's good advice. I mean, there's no hiding away from all those hours, all the skin yeah. in the game. Um, No, cool. Thanks for that. Um, I want to just move over to um, BALD now. Um, For those of you... Yeah, I feel (laughs) like... Perfect. Um, Bit of product placement. No, um, for, I guess, for everyone out there that doesn't know much about it, tell us a little bit about, I guess, how it started, the story behind it and, um, yeah, how it's going. So, BALD was just purely a little side hustle for me. I've always sort of had an interest (laughs) in
0: rugby and fitness and then fashion um, or I suppose like men's fashion and just just clothes in general. So I always wanted to start something on the side that would just sort of keep me ticking and sort of keep me motivated outside rugby and sort of take my mind off rugby, I suppose, when I got home. So I decided to start a label. The reason I started the label bald, obviously, besides the fact that I am bald um, is because I always used to rock hats anyway, even if, even when I used to have some hair or hair, um, I used to rock hats, and it wasn't because I was balding or going bald. It's just because I liked wearing hats. I was like, I'm going to try and tell people that I'm bald, but I'm still wearing hats, and I don't care that I'm bald. If that makes sense. Um, so I was like, I'll make some hats and I'm bald on it, and I was like, you know, I'll just start. I'll start making some tees, hoodies, singlets, and hats, and make some basic stuff. And to be honest, like I never really started it to make heaps of money or if this is what I do, want to do full time. But it was just a, a learning experience again, taking myself out of my comfort zone. Um, it's been it's been a really cool learning experience. It's been like pretty hard at times, you know, for anyone that started a small business on their own. It's like they would know that it's never never a smooth journey and you're always learning and stuff's bound to go wrong. And it, it certainly has. But um yeah, it's cool. It's just ticking away in the background, I suppose. Um and yeah, we've got some exciting things coming up, some new releases. But yeah, it's sort of just just a side hustle for me, I suppose.
1: Yeah, no, it looks really cool. I mean. Um love the sleek design and everything. I might just embarrass you here though for a second Because um, I wanted to give people a bit of an idea <laughs> I guess you're oh here it is, so oh, did not. how did you find that photo? I've deleted it from all internet sites so there's there's stage one is that over in perth is it? Yeah, that and was yeah I'll give you a bit of background <laughs> stage two. And then wait, mate. Let's look at this last one. I mean, you can't go. You can't go. You can't go past this. I mean, look like, I mean, if, if there's anybody out there that's just on the fence about going ball, I mean, just do it. Like, <laughs> oh my god, fair play to you. You
0: win. If I had known it was we going to do background checks, I would have had a share
1: screen. <laughs> nah, um, I mean, I've I i would not say i but I've definitely gone mate, the buzz. Just horrible. horrible.
0: Just... You know, you know, that, you know that photo that's got my hair like up here. <laughs> yeah, that was genuinely that was the that was like the front photo of one of the programs for like the following game. Perfect. And I remember I got to the game and I picked it up and I was like, "This was like this is genuine." That is when I shaved my head because I saw that. photo. <laughs>
1: so thanks for bringing that up. Did um did you ever cop it from the boys?
0: Um, before I shaved it, yeah, all the time. <laughs> like rugby's are pretty um unique space that everyone's pretty honest with each other. I suppose you got to have thick skin, but um, yeah, I always used to cop cop shit for like having a receding hairline. It was like the number one thing people would pay me out about. I didn't really care, um, but I did, I was definitely scared of going bald. Like my dad's bald, his dad was bald. So like I knew it was sort of coming, but I never really wanted to. I never wanted to concede. But then once I did, it was genuinely the best thing I've done. Yeah.
1: Good on on you for embracing it. I love it. Um, now, nah, cool. I mean, do you have a bit of a vision for the for the brand? I mean, obviously, you've you have probably gonna have once your career finishes, and I don't know how long that is away, and you will probably have a little bit more time to work on it. Have you got a bit of an idea of where you want to take it, or like you said, is it just a bit of a side hustle at the moment?
0: Um, yeah, it's definitely sort of side hustle in terms of the next twelve months. I think from, where, from when I started the business to now, my vision of what I want stuff to look like has completely changed. Um, the new stuff, actually, I don't have the samples with me, but the new stuff is more stuff that I like to wear now. So it's sort of like baggy, oversized stuff, streetwear, slightly louder colours, um, bigger branding. And, yeah, it's a completely different feel. Um, so, yeah, I suppose we'll just keep evolving it in that way and we'll start doing some, some other stuff. Um, but yeah it's, it's still a side hustle
1: and probably just it- and even still like I mean calling it a side hustle like you said like if anyone out there knows about small business it's not just something you just you do for fun like it's it's one of those yes. things it's hard like I mean you got to dedicate you know so much time to it and mentally as well like it never stops so good on you for I guess sticking your neck out um, I just want to move on to a real quick just recovery lab um, and for anybody out there that doesn't I mean, I'll let you, maybe maybe if you just want to have a quick sort of um, summary of what it is and um, what people can expect. I mean, I've been there a few times myself. It's great. If <laughs> anyone wants to go. Um, yeah, cool. So Recovery Lab is, I
0: suppose it's a one-stop shop for all your recovery needs. Um, it was a space that I was always interested in as an athlete, obviously recovery being a fairly important part of our job. Uh, and I run into Matt, who is the, um, is the head owner at Recovery Lab <clears> in Melbourne about three years ago when I first got to the Rebels and I was looking for a space to go and recover. Obviously most athletes would have access to the recovery pumps, the boots that you use um, and that's probably about it, it definitely three years ago and then I, I got introduced to Matt, he had a lab at the time um, in a different location but he sort of had ice, hot cold, hot and cold pools, the recovery pumps and then like a the stretching area and it was pretty basic but it was exactly what I needed at the time um, and then just getting to know Matt over sort of 12 to 18 months. He had really, really big, a really big vision for the business um, to franchise it at some point and make it a one-stop shop. So now it's now it's got to a point where he has started set up a franchise model. There's different studios, um, and there's there's sort of infrared saunas, the recovery pumps, bikes, uh, ice, hot and cold pools, and stuff like that. So it's not just for employees; it's for people maybe in the corporate world that need to go and recover and you know get on their bike on the weekend, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's sort of a one stop shop for everyone for their recovery needs and um you know it's been a big part of my career in the last three years and it's definitely helped me out. So that, that's also been a really cool journey. I probably haven't been as involved as I would have liked, um, being away and stuff like that. But um yeah, there's some there's some good guys on board there and Benny Seymour's involved now, um, which is really cool. So yeah, we've got some good guys in that space and it's it's going well.
1: Yeah, no, it's I mean for anybody out there that hasn't been, I don't know there's a few um around Melbourne now, it's a great space, like and, like, obviously, it ties in nicely to, I guess, what you're about. Like, obviously, there's a big focus around your recovery and your routine and everything like that. So it was probably a no-brainer for you, like, um, jumping, in, jumping in with them. Um, and, yeah, like, I mean, I'll, I'll second that in saying that, like, recovery isn't just for the athlete. And I think it has been for a long time. Like, people probably hadn't really put any time into it. Yeah. Um, and what happens is a lot of people might look to recovery when they're actually in pain and it's too far gone. But you need to start thinking about it way, way earlier, sort of in the piece, like as more of a preventative, um, more than anything. Um, and I always find, like, I'm always someone that's probably put a fair bit of time into our recovery myself. But, um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a really cool space you got there. I reckon that's definitely going places, yeah. Um, I know you put something out recently about can remember your
0: words exactly i think they were pretty pretty stern but about if you get injured it's not an accident
1: or, <laughs> it's true you know yeah i yeah. mean I, like too many people i guess oh, it, a lot of it comes from poor poor education but even if you just spend i mean like you said you I remember someone when I was, when I was a junior athlete saying, you know, you need to spend just as much time recovering as you do training. I'm like, what? Like when I was, when I was actually training at the time, I thought this is ridiculous. But when you, once you start to get a bit older, you start to realize, Hey, like, yeah, it's bang on. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm always saying, I guess the best investment that you'll make is the one you're making yourself. So yeah, for anyone out there, even, that's not even an athlete, you're in business or whatever, like, and you sort of looking to take it to the next level just by, you know, putting a bit of money and time into yourself can obviously make a huge difference, as you know. Um, All right, last one before we finish. Golf, talk to me about like, did you, I mean, because I know there's quite a lot of people that picked up um, golf throughout this COVID lockdown. It was an opportunity to get outside. Um, I know myself, I mean, when I was young, I used to do a couple of clinics here and there, but that was about as far as it got. I'm only really getting stuck into it now. Have you been playing for a while? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I say I've been playing for a while, like, Dad,
0: Dad's a very, very keen golfer, so when we went on family holidays and stuff, I'd go and play with him, but probably only started playing regularly in the last four or five years. Um, weirdly enough, rugby and golf have this sort of relationship that has, yeah, it's quite consistent through all the clubs I've been at, in that, I suppose, with rugby, you travel a lot as a team, especially when you're playing super rugby, you go to South Africa, Japan, and uh, New Zealand, Argentina, and you go on these big tours, and obviously there's golf everywhere, and you can't train all week, so you're in these countries, and golf just being just being one of those things that's, I suppose, not the same as rugby, but the mental side of it, in terms of like problem solving, um, the social side of it, in terms of hanging out with the boys, um, and having a laugh. So it's it's quite it's quite common in rugby teams that they're all into golf. So that's probably where I picked it up more um, recently and it's, I mean, I'm sure you can agree, it's just one of those sports that is completely
1: addictive because we're all so shit <laughs> at it and we're just trying to do better, so. Oh, I feel like the more <laughs> I play, the worse I get, but I, yeah. still, I still keep finding myself back to the golf course um, and yeah. I reckon it's a conversation we're still going to be having in 20, 30, 40 years' time.
0: <laughs> I just want to be good. I just want to be good, so.
1: Yeah, I heard... Um. I heard Tiger Woods say the other day that golf's a game of misses. Like how, how bad are your misses? And at the moment my misses are pretty bad. So. It actually is. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I mean you gotta you gotta have them in a in a round of golf. I mean, um, there's bloody eighteen holes, so <laughs> no, I've well and truly caught the bug at the moment. So um, we're in um we're in another lockdown here at the moment in Melbourne. So once once we're out of it, um yeah so it's, it's, i mean we're supposed to be coming out in a couple of days so i hope fingers crossed but who knows <laughs> i saw
0: that
1: no good no good all right mate i think that's pretty much covered everything thanks so much for the chat i know there's i guess there'll be a lot of people that get plenty out of this i know i'll have um a nice little snapshot into your life um so how have, yeah haven't you got what a couple more days in quarantine to go more days there and then I'll um, I'll link up with the team. So yeah, really looking forward to that. The season kicks off
0: in four weeks. So another season and yeah, first time playing in America. So
1: exciting times ahead. Look after yourself. Stay safe. Stay out of trouble. (laughs) Take it easy. Thanks, mate.